welcome 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 i would like to welcome you to episode 321 of the unpopular podcast this is the man the myth the legend Jalen hunter and here at the unpopular podcast i'm not really asking you to agree with me i'm asking you to hear me out well i talked about it last episode but it is officially official my i was i'm my march madness bracket is completely at least on the men's side is completely busted yes i understand i had i had uh i had arizona in the final four going up against uh where did i have it? duke i had kansas going in the final four against texas and uh i was wrong <laughs> i was wrong you see again the that's one of the biggest reasons why March Madness is so exciting because you don't know it. it, it you there's always going to be a Cinderella story. There's always going to be a major upset. You don't know exactly where it's coming, how it's going to come, but it's it's going to happen. So no number one seed is safe. No number five seed is safe. It's it's just pure. It You know, winner takes all pretty much. So, yeah, <laughs> day one, my bracket was busted when I think we yeah, had Princeton beat Arizona. And then day two, of course, everyone's bracket was busted when Purdue lost to uh, Farron Dickinson. Sucks. Oh, and then, of course, Kansas loses to Arkansas. So my national champion is out. So what I'm going to do. And where I want to start this episode off is I'm going to give an updated prediction of the teams that are remaining, who is going to win the national championship. And we have had some good teams. We have Alabama. We have San Diego State. We have Creighton. We have Princeton. We have FAU, Tennessee, Kansas State, Michigan State, Gonzaga, UCLA, Arkansas, UConn, Xavier, Texas, Houston, Miami. Let me first, and, and and I will come, I'll come here and say it. I think I was wrong about Alabama. While Alabama, while Brandon Miller is clearly their best player and, and probably the best player in college basketball, I questioned the how good the rest of the team was. And I questioned that because there were multiple occasions where Brandon Miller would go off. He'd go off for 35. He'd go off for 40 points. And the team barely won. And I'm thinking to myself, how is how how do you have the best player in college basketball and you're just squeak like just barely winning these games? You see, I let a couple games cloud my my viewpoint of Alabama. As we sit here today, and, and I was wrong about Alabama, I like to think. As we sit here today, I think Alabama is the best team in college basketball. They're a deep team. And I think game one of, of the tournament showed me a lot. Brandon Miller struggled mightily. He had a groin injury. I don't think he scored game one. And he also struggled the first half against Maryland. Yet, it seems like Alabama is the only team in this entire tournament that has looked dominant the entire time. The entire tournament. And Brandon Miller did come on the second game, especially the second half of Maryland, uh, Alabama against Maryland, but it's been everyone else. And right now, I think... If we're talking, let's just do Final Four first. I think that at, at least on the the South region, I think Alabama is the best team in college basketball. I think they're the deepest team now that I've seen. You know, everyone else contribute the way that they can contribute. I think Alabama is the deepest team in college basketball, and I think that they're by far the deepest team in in the South. And one thing, one thing about upsets, right? One thing that nobody really talks about about upsets is. They affect everyone in that region. And what I mean by that is let's 
of course Arizona loses to Princeton. I think that Arizona would have been a major hurdle, which is why I originally had Arizona coming out of the South. Arizona would have been a major hurdle against Alabama because of their size, because of their shooting ability. But now, so now they don't have to worry. Alabama doesn't have to worry about, you know, Alabama doesn't have to worry about Arizona. Another team that I think could have really gave Alabama problems was Virginia. Well, <laughs> Virginia lost. And Virginia lost to Furman. And Virginia, what, what Virginia does is they're, they're a stout defensive team. And they're a team that they, they won't let you. They're one of the only teams in college basketball where it doesn't matter how the game's going, they're going to play one way. They dictate their speed. And it's, a, it's, it's one thing. Shouts out to uh, LaFonzo Ellis. LaFonzo Ellis says something that in, in, in is prevalent. Marsh Madness is it's mostly important that uh, the teams that win usually have solid guard play. And if you look at the teams that are remaining, you have Houston, their best player, Sasser, guard. Miami, their best player, guard. Xavier, Texas, best player, guard. The only team that best player right now really isn't a guard is UConn. And that's it. But the thing about UConn is they have two guards that can put up 20, 25 points easily. And, of course, they have the big man. So upsets don't just affect whoever you're playing. They affect the entire region. So because of that, I have Alabama coming out of the South region in the Final Four now that a team like Arizona's gone. Hell, when they were completely healthy, I think Baylor, because of their guard play, would have been uh, tough for Alabama. Of course, Virginia's out. So I have, and, and I'm not just, I'm not here disrespecting. Please don't hear me say that I'm disrespecting Alabama. And, and I don't know if they would have, I think Alabama probably would have won against Virginia, probably would have won against Baylor, but we never know. And I, of course, I had them losing to Arizona, but, you know, you. <laughs> One thing that people don't allow, which I I understand, you know, people want to be concrete and things, so I get it. One thing people don't allow is growth in in their takes. People don't allow growth in people's opinion with new research. Like if 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 I get new information, I think that the new information should be should allow me to change how I feel about something. So, but hey, People don't, people don't, especially on the internet, people don't like that, but it is what it is. I have Alabama coming, or the first team in the Final Four. Let's go down to the East. The East is was, to me, the weakest region, Even and that's no disrespect to any team, but when you talk about Purdue, when you talk about Marquette, when you talk about you know Tennessee, Duke, this was the weakest region, which is why I thought, usually when you have a weak region or a, a region where... It's more wide open than anything. That's when you go with the best or the, the team that is the hottest or the team that's playing the best. And that's why I went against Duke, or that's why I picked Duke to come out of this region. Well, <laughs> Duke definitely lost. And this region is tough to pick. It's, it's, it's between FAU, Tennessee, Kansas State, and Michigan. Right now, to me, the clear-cut be- – I think it's between two teams. I think it's between Kansas State and Tennessee. I think Tennessee, they're they're one of the most physical teams remaining in this entire tournament. The way that the way that they were able to just put their body on 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 Duke and 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 just guard their guards physical and and it, it, it <laughs> they're the most physical team in this entire tournament. And Kansas State. Kansas State has, yo, they have guards. They're, that I forgot homie's name, but he just he just dropped like 27 against K- Kentucky. Michigan's, I will say, shout out to Michigan State and, and Izzo. Michigan State has, has, play, has played better than I thought. I didn't think they were going to get it, or I honestly didn't think they were going to beat USC. But they beat USC handily. Marquette game was really good. Marquette, of course, was the second overall seed. I thought Marquette's shooting was going to have them or get them over the hump but it didn't so 
to me, it's between Kansas State and Tennessee. And while Tennessee is the most physical team and they can put up some points, they kind of struggle with putting up points. You don't really see that struggle with Kansas State. Now, Kansas State does, especially at the guard play, they do kind of lack size to a certain degree, but they can put up points in bunches. As we saw against, you know, let's see, their first game, they scored 77. Their second game was 75. Tennessee hasn't scored over 65 points this entire tournament. So, which I know has only been two games, but I got Kansas State. So, I think on one side is going to be Alabama against Kansas State. On the other side, if we talk about the Midwest region, I think it's clear cut. Um, I, I, again, I could have been wrong. To me, the two best teams, and it's, it's kind of clear in this region is of course the one and two seed, which is Houston and in Texas. And I thought looking at that, looking at that Alabama, when Houston played Alabama and Mark, Marcus Astor has been dealing with a groin injury this entire tournament. And, you know, it, he's been questionable most of the time. But when you come and he was big for Houston. Houston was down, I think, 10 points against Auburn. And, they, of course, they completely flipped it around. I think I, I said that I said that in the episode when I did my prediction. I said if Houston is healthy, they can win it all. And it seems like even though Marcus Sasser uh, isn't the healthiest, he's still healthy enough to contribute and play and still be Houston's best player. So I have Houston even over Texas, even over Xavier, which was Xavier was really good against Pitt. I have Houston coming out because of their size, because of their scoring. I just have Houston coming out of this over Texas. And Texas has been good too, don't get me wrong. But I just think with a healthy Sasser, it's 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 tough for anybody. And in the West region, uh, again, I had Kansas coming out of this. And with the information that I have and, and seeing the games that I've seen, to me, even though they're ranked fourth, I think that they're the remain they're the best remaining team in the West, and that is UConn. With UConn's size, with UConn's guard play, with UConn's ability to stretch the floor, with their big man able to stretch the floor, I think I wouldn't be surprised if 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 you Right now, UConn has to go against Arkansas, and then, of course, you have Gonzaga and UCLA. To me, UConn should be favored every single game uh, or for the, the two games that they would have if they beat Arkansas. I just think I think that they're that good, and I think that they're that big, they're that that strong, and they're – again, shouts out to the Fonz of Ellis. It's a guard once you get to the March Man or the tournament. It's about your guards and how far your guards can take you. It's your guards don't have to be your best players, but they can't be your they can't be a de- detriment to you. So my final four is Alabama, uh, Alabama, Kansas State, Houston, and Texas. I mean, no, Houston and, and UConn. And then the championship is gonna. I think the size of Alabama will overwhelm the lack of size, especially at the guard position that is of course Kansas State so I have Alabama making it to the national championship and I think UConn is playing their best basketball of the entire year and remember this is a UConn team that was once ranked number one I have UConn come make I think the final four or the national championship is going to be UConn against Alabama and I think that UConn can beat Alabama with the size but then again, Alabama does have the best player. And if if he plays his best, as we've seen, and everybody feeds off Brandon Miller, I just I'm gonna have I have Alabama winning that championship. I have Alabama winning the national championship because they have the best player and because they're the deepest team in the league. Or in, 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 in college basketball at this point. They're the deepest, they're the best team. I have Alabama. So, again, I know originally what I had have what three of the four, three of my four national or three of my four final four teams were out day two or day three. It's crazy. 
<laughs> but again, Final Four: Alabama, Kansas State, uh, Houston, and UConn. I have Alabama and UConn in the championship, and I have Alabama winning their first basketball national championship. So that's that. On the women's side, hear me out. I think this, the women have de- have have had, the women have had a, 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 a the first round of the women's tournament has has had trouble since or before this year. While yes. The, the the viewership of the women's national championship continues to grow year after year after year. The first rounds aren't haven't been able to. They they've been struggling. Now, I do I do think that it's not smart going up against, of course, the men's national championship. And I'm not trying to say women aren't as important as men, but I'm just saying when you have it when a lot of people have options, they're usually gonna go to the men's tournament before they go to the women's tournament. But the women have had the, the women's tournaments have had trouble with viewership and fans the first few rounds. Now, of course, when you get to you know the Sweet Sixteens and the Elite Eights, then it starts to pick up. Then you start to see okay, now you get an uptick in views. You don't really have that in the men's side. Hell, again, I said this last episode. There's people that take off of work and and tell their wives i'm going to be gone the first two days of of march madness because of how important it is on the men's side but i think this is the first year this is probably one of the most important years in women's college basketball like as far as the tournament than we that we've seen in recent memory now it's unfortunate that a team like stanford and a team like indiana had to be on the wrong side of it, but I think that this is the most important year. It's taken the women's side longer to catch up to the men's side in terms of parity. I talk about parity a lot on this on this podcast, and I say how, especially in college basketball, especially men's college basketball, that there's more parity than ever. A, a number one seed isn't that mu- it's better, but isn't that much better than a 16 seed or, you know, a a, f- a fifth seed isn't that much better than a 12 seed because of the sheer talent or maybe lack of talent. I don't know, but I just feel like there's there's more of an equal playing field when we talk about the men's side on the women's side. However, that has not been the case at all. <laughs> that has not been the case in the slightest. If you're a one seed or if you're a five seed going against a 12 seed, more than likely you're usually definitively better. If you're a four seed, think about this. Tennessee, oh, you know what? Let's see. In the men's side, Tennessee was a fourth seed going up against Louisiana, which was a 13 seed. Tennessee won 58 to 55. Again, Tennessee was a four seed and Louisiana was a 13 seed. On the other side, let's let's look at uh let's look at TCU. TCU was a six seed going against Arizona State. Arizona State was an 11th seed. TCU won 72 to 70. Tennessee won by three points. TCU won by two points. Let's go on the women's side. Let's look at the four. Let's look at the four thirteen matchup. On one bracket, Texas was fourth. East Carolina was thirteen. Texas won seventy nine to forty. On the other side, Tennessee was a fourth seed. St. Louis was a thirteen seed. Texas, no, Tennessee won ninety five to fifty. Oh, you want to go to the what was what was TCU? TCU was a let's let's look at the six eleven matchup. Oh, let's let's look at the six eleven matchup, shall we? Um, Michigan was a six seed. UNLV was an eleven seed. Michigan won seventy one to fifty nine. Colorado was a six seed. 
MT, uh, was it Middle Tennessee State was a 11 seed. Colorado won 82 to 60. Again, there has it's it's very rare that you get upsets in the first in the first round. Now it it happens, but not as much. And and again, I know this it's only happened twice in the men's side, which is a 16 seed beating a one seed. But let's just look at the 16 to one seed in college in women's college basketball. Stanford beat Sacred Heart, and shouts out to Sacred Heart. Takira uh, Carter went to Sacred Heart. Uh, Stanford beat Sacred Heart ninety-two to forty-nine. Virginia Tech beat Chattanooga fifty-eight to thirty-three. Indiana beat Tennessee Tech seventy-seven to forty-seven, and South Carolina beat Norfolk State seventy-two to forty. What I'm saying is this. Now, yes. And this and this is one of the biggest reasons why I said that this year is probably one of the most important years in, in at least the women's side of college basketball as far as the tournament. There is not as much parity in in women's college basketball than there is in men's, and it hasn't been for a while. Even if you look today, hell, South Carolina has been dogging people, <laughs> like dogging people, and it's not even like. I would be shocked if they don't make it to the national national championship. Now, yes, Iowa, who's the number two seed, they came close to losing to Georgia, but Alabama or South Carolina has been dominant. Um, hell, Tennessee has been dominant. Or no, not for Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee has been dominant. God damn, they beat Toledo ninety four to forty seven. But again, I'm, I'm this is why I said that this is one of the most important because. We've seen upsets in the earlier rounds. Usually when you get to the Elite Eight or maybe maybe the Sweet 16, that's when you start seeing upsets in the women's side. In the men's side, hell, we've seen the last, what, three, four years, maybe even five years, that there's been a major upset in round one every single year. You don't get that with the women's side except for this year. This year it started with, uh, what, Mississippi State beating Creighton. Mississippi State with an 11th seed. Creighton was a uh, Creighton was a six seed, and then it just started matriculating from there. Again, I think this is the first year in a while. I don't maybe it's the first year I've, I don't exactly remember. I think this is the first year in a while that two number one seeds in the women's side ha- did not make it to the Sweet Sixteen. Two of them. Which of course was Stanford losing to Old Miss and uh who was it? Indiana losing to was it Miami? In Miami. This could just be a, a, a blimp year. But I think that if this is if this is the trend, and if if this is becoming more and more likely, that I think Parity is going to is, is going to start showing itself on the women's side. You again, you don't see that much parity. Hell, even look, LSU has been dogging people too. LSU beat Michigan sixty six to forty two. They beat Hawaii seventy three to fifty. Angel Reese and I talked about this. Don Staley and I'll talk about Don Staley a little later. Don Staley brought up some really good points about, you know, National Player of the Year and about just the resurgence and the growth of women's basketball in general and how a lot of the press and a lot of people, uh, and, and you see this a lot all the time, but you you mainly see it in, in women's basketball as well. Once there's a name out there, and they want to attach themselves to that name or that name sticks. That's the name that usually gets rid like they ride that name as far as national player of the year or or national coach of the year. And I don't think that we're used to we're I think us as a society don't does that we don't really understand how to process dominance. And this is what I mean by this. And 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 shouts out to Caitlin Clark. This is kind of going to sound like hate, but it's not. 
Kalen Clark has been dominant this entire year. Kalen Clark has been by far one of the best players in all of college basketball, both men's and women's. She, the way that I think she averaged like 26 points a game, she has been going crazy. She's had a couple 40-point games. She is the heart and soul of the number two seed, Iowa. And she, if she wins National Player of the Year, I will not be upset. I, I well-deserved. She has been great. And if she does win, she deserves it. But, and I, and I understand what Don Staley was saying because all I've heard this entire year has been Caitlin Clark. And while that's not a problem, what about someone like Aaliyah Boston? What about someone like, and I put this on Twitter. Why is Caitlin Clark getting so much praise which not say don't let me not say that let me not say that because she deserves all the praise that she gets but why does it feel like it is a one woman race when we talk about the national player of the year but someone like Aaliyah Boston someone like Angel Reese uh someone like AZ well AZ Fudd was injured but someone like Elizabeth Ke- uh Kitley there have been there's been multiple women that have have been go- been going crazy hell uh was it Diamond Miller all I'm saying is I understand what Don Staley was 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 talking about as far as you know once the the the, the there's been a name or once they put a name to a trophy it kind of sticks with it. You see that in basketball. All you all you've really what was that? <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. All you really heard, well, that's not really true because in the beginning of the year of course, it was Luka Doncic, then it was Jason Tatum, now it's Nicole Jokic and Joel Embiid, you know. I'm just saying this, and, and this is my entire point of this segment. I think that the women, the women's tournaments have been, they've been slowly but surely making the right decisions as far as trying to integrate and trying to get the best product on screen. Uh, they used to have the national championship on a Tuesday after the men's national championship. That's not smart in my opinion. Now you own Sunday. Now their national championship is on a Sunday. Very smart. Nothing's happening that day but the national championship for the women's side. That, that, that's smart. I still don't think it's the best going toe-to-toe with the men's side, but you you own Sunday. Nothing's happening on that Sunday. I think the men's on Monday. So, but again, I think this is one of the most important years for women's college basketball as far as the tournament because you're starting to see more and more parity. Again, nobody thought Indiana was going to lose. Ever, in fact, the women's the women's side, at least for the last or how it's been since I can remember. If you put in, there's usually been a number one or at least two number ones or maybe even a number two or three going up in the national championship. That's how it is. Um, I mean, this year it could be different. This year it could. De- Hell, my national championship, which I don't really need to change. I have a one going against a three. I have South Carolina State or South Carolina, I'm sorry, going against LSU. So we'll see. We'll see. El Notre Dame might lose. Their best two players are out, and now they're going to go up against a really good squad in Maryland. We'll see how it goes, man. We'll see how it goes. But I do think this is a very important year for college basketball, at least on the women's side, especially when now it's unfortunate that teams like, again, Creighton, teams like, uh, what, Indiana, teams like, what, uh, Stanford have to be on the wrong side of it. But that's just that's just how it is, man. That's that's how it is. Hell, even the sixth North Carolina, that's my team, by the way, North Carolina lost on a buzzer beater against Ohio State. So, you know, and St. John's almost beat North Carolina and St. John's is 11 seed. So it's the parody is coming, man. Parody is coming to college basketball, at least on the women's side. And I can appreciate that. Oh, and, and my national championship is still the same, still intact. I have South Carolina going up against LSU. And I so we'll see if it changes. So we'll see. 
Let me uh Let me first start this segment with saying that I am a huge fan of Cam Newton. Um I have been a fan of Cam Newton since and I'm um since he was at since he was at Auburn. And I will go down and I've always said this that he is one of the greatest college basketball players we've or college yeah college oh no I'm sorry college football players we've ever seen the what Cam Newton did at Auburn is damn near unlike anything we've ever seen and coming into the league Cam Newton was one of the most electrifying players we've ever seen in 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 the NFL. So I am a huge fan of Cam Newton. Huge fan. I think Cam Newton is 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 I I will go down and saying if you look at the numbers Cam Newton could be in the Hall of Fame one day. Maybe not first ballot, I don't know, but could be in the Hall of Fame. But in my fandom, in in me watching sports, it would not be fair to you guys if I'm not honest about Cam Newton. At least this iteration of Cam Newton. You see, Cam Newton put out a video pretty much saying he is, there's not 32 quarterbacks better than Cam Newton. And he's seeing a bunch of, quote, randoms get jobs. Cam Newton was not on a NFL team in 2022. In fact, he hasn't had a touchdown since 2021. Cam Newton hasn't thrown over 3,000 yards since 2018. Cam Newton hasn't been to the playoffs since 2017. I don't know if people know this, but it's 2023. Let me let me put my let me let me give you my biased opinion. My biased opinion is I think Cam Newton is still good enough to be a quarterback in this league. A starting quarterback, I don't know, but still a quarterback in the NFL. I do think when you look at some teams, he is good enough to to be their backup. And, and a lot of hell, look at the Washington Commanders. I don't know about Sam Howell, and I'm not no offense to Sam Howell, but Cam Newton might be better than Sam Howell right now. Even though he was really good last year, I think Cam Newton can possibly be better than Brock Purdy. What I'm saying is, I I think Cam Newton still has a lot left, or has some left in the tank. I will say that. That is my biased opinion. My biased opinion is Cam Newton is absolutely right. There is not 32 people better than him, and he is good enough to be a a, a serviceable quarterback. And he's good enough to, especially if you have an entire offseason to learn a playbook, if you have an entire offseason where you don't have to rehab, because people don't know rehab and training are two completely different things. Training is you're getting yourself ready for the season. Rehab is you're working to heal an injury. You're not necessarily training. You're rehabbing. So you get a full offseason to learn a playbook and to learn an offensive scheme, to learn a system. And then, of course, you're, you you don't have to rehab. I think Cam, there's still Cam Newton still has stuff left in the tank. That's my biased opinion. But let me give you my to give you my biased opinion means means I have to give you my unbiased opinion. And my unbiased opinion is simple. Cam Newton has not shown 
that he's good enough to be a starting quarterback in this league anymore. And he also hasn't shown the ability to be a serviceable backup quarterback. Now, when I say serviceable, I don't mean talent. Because talent, yes, he is definitely a backup quarterback. But when you come with when when you come with a lot of noise and you come with a lot of distraction, and I'm not saying he's a distraction, but that's what that's the title that's kind of been pegged. Not saying bad distraction as far as you know he does off the field stuff or he's he's a cancer or anything. No, people say there's people bigger than their position. And Cam Newton would be the most popular backup quarterback in the league by far. Hell, I don't even oh the Jacoby Brissett. I don't even know the backup quarterback's name for the 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 Carolina Panthers right now. I don't know the starting quarterback either, but <laughs> I don't know the backup quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is it still Mitch Trubisky? I don't know the backup quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't even know their starting quarterback, but I don't know. Wherever Cam Newton goes, you know his name. And you know the first sign of adversity, the first sign of the 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 the, the starting quarterback looking not so good. You know what you're going to hear. See, Cam Newton should be starting. No, no organization wants to deal with that. And again, I just said Cam Newton has not thrown for 3000 yards, which is pretty much like which is pretty much like standard at this point if you want to be considered a top top tier quarterback. He has not thrown more than th- than 3000 yards since 2018. Yes, I I would love to see Cam Newton. In fact, now, of course, a lot of this was plagued by injury. Don't get me wrong. And I, and I talked about this a little bit with, with uh, Ezekiel Elliott. The diff, See, Cam Newton has never really had the accuracy. Cam Newton never really has polished his or refined his game. His game has always been on speed and brute force. Yeah, well, kind of like what we're seeing with Russell Westbrook, kind of like what we're seeing with John Wall. That deteriorate once that deteriorates, what is your second win? What can you lean on? And Cam Newton hasn't really shown anything to lean on. By the way, and I again, I love Cam Newton. Cam Newton is one of my favorite players ever. Cam Newton hasn't thrown more than hasn't thrown or or had. More than 10 touchdowns since 2018. Now, you can say, you see how Cam Newton looked before COVID. And then after COVID, he just didn't look good. Yes, that's true. But we'll never know. Well, I'm not going to say we'll never know. I, I do like, I did see Shannon Sharp said something. And I like Cam Newton's response because it it seen it showed professionalism, even though I I I do hate that I I I absolutely hate um, how Cam Newton be typing in that font, but teach his own. Um, but I did re- respect his response. He was pretty much saying, you know, some of the facts that you said, Shannon Sharp, were true. Just give me a shot, give me a full off season, we'll see. And I respect that. It kind of me it kind of shows that he's serious about what he's what he's talking about, but. Right now, unbiased opinion because if it, if I was by if if it was me, I would if and I'm I'm someone like the Commanders. Or I'm, if you're not gonna go for Lamar Jackson, which it kind of seems like you're not doing, go get go get Cam Newton. That's me. That's me. I may not be the smartest GM, but that's me. But unbiased man, Cam Newton hasn't shown to be a a serviceable quarterback since. 2018 since 2018 and 
Cam Newton's numbers year after year after year are on a decline. His best year outside of 2015, his best year was his, what, rookie year. Yeah. Now, his his best, his, the year, the, the last year he looked like something, like he looked like he was still Cam Newton was 2018. He played, he, he started, what, 14 games. He had uh, 3,395 yards, 24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Damn, he was sacked 29 times. Yeah. So all I'm saying, man, I want the. I, I'm always gonna root for Cam Newton. I always, you know, want the best for Cam Newton. I think that Cam Newton can still be a really good quarterback in this league. But you're gonna have to show something that you have not shown pretty much your entire career, and that is the ability to to lean on something outside of your physical. God-given talents, which dec- which decrease year after year after year, with the amount of times that you've been you've been hit and with the amount of times that you've been injured. See, if Cam Newton was as good at throwing the ball as say a, I'm not even gonna go as far as say Aaron Rodgers. If he was as good at throwing the ball as say a Lamar Jackson, who by the way, still is looking for a contract, then Cam Newton would have been in the league. There wouldn't be a that much of a break. If Cam Newton can throw the ball as good as a I'm not even gonna go to, let's say Jimmy G and still have all the attributes that can, that come with Cam Newton, Cam Newton would be in this league. And I'm not saying, you know, his pro day can go I think it was yesterday, but it, it can go glowing and he could be on a team. I think that he deserves to be on a team, but I'm not the one cutting checks. And I, I agree. My biased opinion says, yes, there's not 32 other team or other, other players or quarterbacks. That's better than Cam Newton. My unbiased opinion is, while that could be true, Cam Newton has not shown that. Which is why he is not in the, or currently not in the league. Let's move forward. So, the NBA playoffs is or is kind of close. And on both sides, well, you mostly the West more than the East, there are multiple teams that can... Make it to the plan. And, of course, we hear about some of the big names like the Lakers or, or, of course, Golden State, Dallas. But there are also teams like the Wizards that could possibly make the plan, or the Pacers or, or the Bulls. So what I'm going to do is there are four slots, both in the East and both in the West, with plans. It's the 7 through the 10 seed. And I'm going to give my opinion of who is going to make it out to the plan. I'm not going to say make it out the plan. I'm going to say make it to the plan. As we currently speak, let's start with the East. As we currently speak, speak the 7 through 10 seed is the Miami Heat, the Atlanta Hawks, the Toronto Raptors, and the Chicago Bulls. I think that is going to change, but not too, too much. I don't, because Brooklyn started off with such a, a huge lead, over Miami before they traded uh, Kevin Durant, before they traded Kyrie. I think that Brooklyn is going to make the playoff or is going to make the plan. Because right now, Brooklyn is currently in the what sixth seed. I think that they're going to scoot down or move down to the plane. I think they may be the seventh or eighth seed because the Atlanta Hawks, bro, they are the most inconsistent team outside of maybe Golden State. There's actually no Golden State has been one of the most consistent teams. Maybe not the good consistent, but they've been one of the most consistent teams all year. When they're on the road, they're terrible. When they're at home, they're great. Consistent. Like they just won their first road game in a, since like January 30th. 
They were on an 11-game losing streak on the road. Yet, they have one of the best home records. That is as consistent as consistent can be in the NBA. You're terrible on the road. You're terrible. You're great at home. Boom. Consistency. The, the Atlanta Hawks, bro, they, they, yo, in their last, in the conference, right, they're 21 and 23. On the road, they're 16 and 21. At home, they're 19 and 15. Their last 10 games, they're four and six. And I think it's like they win two, lose one. Win one, lose two. They're so inconsistent. The pro- the problem is, or the, the thing that I think is helping them, is they don't have that tough of a schedule. And the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, the Brooklyn Nets, they, they, they I mean, outside of Mikel Bridges, they don't have much. So... I think the Brooklyn Nets are gonna find them, or they're gonna they're gonna go down, and I think the playing is gonna be the Brooklyn Nets, the Atlanta Hawks, the Toronto Raptors, and the Chicago Bulls. I don't think the Pacers are gonna win enough games to to be in the plan. I also don't think the Wizards are going to win enough games to be in the plan. I just I just don't, and I like the Wizards, but the Wizards are currently thirty two and or thirty two and thirty nine. That's no. Um, and while the Orlando Magic, I will give a shout out to them. They've been good. I just don't think that they're going to win enough. They're 29 and 34 or 43. You're also going to see some teams like kind of pack it in. There's like maybe 20 games left. You're going to see some, te- or maybe actually maybe like 15. You're going to see some teams like really pack it in. Like, hey, this, we're not making it. Let's just try to get what we can in the draft. Um, I like the, I like the Knicks, the Knicks. Randall, uh, Julius Randall just had what fifty seven. Shouts out to him, but they did lose that game. Um, I kind of, I don't think that they're going to lose enough to, and I don't see Brooklyn, Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, or Chicago winning enough to get to that fifth seed. So I think the plan for the for the East is going to be the Brooklyn Nets. The Atlanta Hawks, Toronto Raptors, and Chicago Bulls, and I think Miami is going to make their way to the sixth seed uh, and get out of the plan. In the West, boy, the West, the West, the West is 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 boy. I think from seeds five to twelve or thirteen is 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 like decided by or. Is different by like two games. It's so it's so wide open right now. The 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 plan is Dallas, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Utah. Now, of course, you have the the Los Angeles Lakers, you have the Pelicans, you have the the Portland Trailblazers, and in the sixth, fifth, and sixth seed, you have actually the fourth, fifth, and sixth seed. You have the Suns, you have the Clippers, you have Golden State. I think there are a couple of there are no locks actually let me say it. there are no locks. I will say that I I think two teams are kind of out of it. And those two teams are the New Orleans Pelicans and the Portland Trailblazers. I think that Portland just has they're too they're not that good of a team. And actually they're not really a good team at all outside of Damian Lillard. You have, you know, Jaron Grant or Jeremy Grant. You also have uh Anthony Simons, but outside of that, they're not that much of a really good team. And it's really Dame saving the day and that's it. And even when Dame saves the day, there are times when you don't or Dame has goes crazy, maybe 50, 60 point game. That doesn't automatically mean they're going to win. That's just that's just how bad the Portland Trailblazers are. And for the New Orleans Pelicans, a lot rides on Zion Williamson if he comes back or not. Now he could come back, but if he comes back, what is he coming back to? Right now they're in the 12th spot. They're 34 and 37. I just don't know when he comes back. Is there going to be enough time to get to the plan? <clears throat> Again, I I like. Brandon Ingram, I like uh, CJ McCollum, but are they going to be able to get enough wins so when Zion does come back? And then when Zion comes back, how is he going to look? I don't know. I think the two teams that we're really 
questioning is the 11 seed, which is the Lakers, and the 6 seed, which is Golden State. Like I said, go. Let, let's talk about the Golden State for a second. I think there's – we still don't know. Right now it's kind of leaning towards – Andrew Wiggins is not going to be coming back due to personal reasons. I don't know what it is, but due to personal reasons, it looks like Andrew Wiggins won't be coming back this season. If it, if that changes, that's huge for Golden State, but right now that's what it's looking like. And if Gary Payton the second looks like he possibly will be ready for the playoffs, but again, you don't know. It's been almost three months since he's played. Golden State – they have been terrible on the road. That's been well documented. I talked about it in a couple episodes ago. I just talked about it now. So you don't know, you know, we, we don't know what we're going to get out of, well, we do know we're going to get out of Golden State. You know you have one of the greatest players of all time in Steph Curry. You know you you still have the Splash Brothers. Klay Thompson's having his best season in his career as far as offensively. You still have, you know, Draymond Green, you still have Jordan Poole. You have pieces. Jonathan Kaminga has has become really good. And I think that one of the biggest reasons why Golden State probably will miss, well, will find themselves in the playoffs instead of the play-in is because of their – I think they have th- like two – road games left and then they have the rest of the way they have about maybe three or four maybe five straight home games which and i we already know golden state plays drastically different at home in a way so i think that that what four or five game homestand is going to pay do and it's they have one of the easiest schedules left in the in the league outside of i know they have to play dallas but even dallas finds himself in the plane and you know what's going to happen with you know Kyrie may not play, and and Luca he's missed a bunch of times. So, I th- I think that that playing at home is going to help Golden State. And of course, you still have Steph. You still have you know you still have the core. Now, yes, Jordan Poole does turn the ball over a lot, and Jonathan Kaminga still has some. And, and Steph, I mean, there's still those times where you know. You saw it against the Atlanta game. They did everything to come back, and then Steph has like has a bad game ceiling turnover. You know, I'm not just saying it's it's the young guys; it's it's everyone. But and they're drastically they're drastically undersized a lot of the times. You saw that against the Clippers. So, um, but I I think that Golden State's going to make it. Dallas again, it's it's really predicated on Kyrie Irving, who just re-injured his his foot against uh Dylan Brooks and the Grizzlies and I'm only laughing because <laughs> everyone everything the only thing going around is Dylan Brooks tried to uh give Kyrie his jersey and Kyrie was like no nah, you can keep that slim <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> oh boy um but yeah Kyrie we don't know how healthy Luka's gonna be and that those are really the two pieces that that's all you have um Minnesota I, I don't know. I know Cat or Carl Anthony Towns just had a setback, so I don't know if he's coming back. Um, so I'll say this. Oh, and then let's go to Lakers. We did hear some good news that it looks like LeBron James might be coming back this season. Might be. Uh, it's really – I don't know, man. The Lakers are so inconsistent. I mean – even with LeBron, they've been inconsistent. But, of course, having LeBron gives them a better shot. Anthony Davis. Yo, Austin Reeves carried them the other day. Austin Reeves. I'll just say this. Here's my plan. My plan is going to be the Dallas – and I'm not saying in this order. These are just the four teams. Dallas Mavericks, Minnesota Timberwolves, Oklahoma City Thunder because they have Shea Gilchrist Alexander and I think Los Angeles Lakers. I think the Los Angeles Lakers are going to make it in the Utah Jazz or not, even though the Utah Jazz, Jazz did get a big win over the Sacramento Kings the other day. Um, I think the Lakers are going to win enough because they have one of the easiest schedules left in the in the in the league. Now that's not saying much, seeing as though they've lost to teams that they shouldn't have lost to, but. 
Uh, I I think they have one of the easiest schedules left. So I have the Lakers just sneaking into maybe the ninth or tenth seed as far as uh, the plan and see where it goes from there. So, again, my plan in the East is Brooklyn, Atlanta, Toronto, Chicago. And my plan in the West is Dallas, Minnesota, OKC, and Los Angeles. So let's we'll see what goes from there. Let's move forward. Um, Rick Pitino, I'm, I'm not going to say on this for long. Rick Pitino is now the new head coach for St. John's, which is huge. Rick Pitino, I think, is from New York. Uh, yeah, from New York, and now he's coaching a New York team. So I think that's huge. Rick Pitino is one of the, I mean, one of the greatest coaches we've seen as far as record-wise. He is two-time national champion, been to the Final Four a bunch of times. Uh, you know, he's won, he, he was just coaching Iona, which, you know, is cool. And now he's he's the coach for, uh, we'd be turning, how old is he? Did I say 52? He ain't no 50. 70. <laughs> I was about to say he ain't no 52 uh, Rick Bettino is now the coach of St. John's That's big for St. John's You get a big name coach um, Again It, it kind of The reason why I don't want to talk about this that much Because while yes If you look at record wise and everything Rick Bettino is a really good coach One of the one of the best coach as far as I mean let me see Rick Bettino Give me a second I'm going to show you how many wins. I think he's ranked 11th all time in wins. Yeah. Uh, collegiate basketball. He 684 and, and 282, which is point is pretty much a 71% win percentage, which is 11th among active coaches. So, I mean, what he was doing at Louisville was cool, but, again, it goes back, it goes back to – Go look at some of the allegations that he had in Louisville, especially when we talk about recruiting um, or some of the things that happened under his watch. And the fact of he continues to get a, uh, an opportunity, you know, that just proves some things. But again, shouts out to Rick Pitino for now being the coach of St. John's. Again, that's also big for St. John's because now you get a you get a really big name coach. Um and and that's 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 saying a lot. So, or that that's that's huge for the program. Also, want to shout out um, Ed Cooley. Ed Cooley will now be the new head coach for uh, Georgetown. Ed Cooley was previously the the coach for Providence. Um, African American dude, one of the best coaches in college basketball, and. Now you're you're taking over an organization that has a really rich history of re, of they haven't really been good of late, of course, with Patrick Ewing, but Georgetown is in good hands, and I think Ed Cooley will definitely revive the Hoyas because right now the the Georgetown Hoyas is 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 the laughing stock of what the Big East. They they used to be the the kings of of college basketball went back in the day and it used to be a real prominent team and now it's they ain't won in a while so I do like the hiring of Ed Cooley it's it's, it's definitely definitely a good hire in my opinion um so shouts out to Rick Pitino also shouts out to Ed Cooley so uh also want to shine light on the fact that you know. We have the World Basketball World Baseball Classic. I apologize. We're in the championship, USA against Japan. You know, it's 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 really cool looking at some of these players in Team USA that aren't aren't on good teams in in the MLB. Like 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 looking at someone like um like Tim Anderson or looking at someone like of course Mike Trout. Mike Trout has been huge for the team and of course he plays for the Angels. The Angels ain't winning nothing no time soon, but Mike Trout this is one of the this is the arguably the greatest team ever created as far or ever put together as far as baseball. Mookie Betts is on this team. Kyle Schwarber's on this team. Mike Trout's on this team. Kyle Tucker's on this team. Trey Turner's on this team. Paul Goldschmidt's on this team. 
Pete Alonzo's on this team. Like, come on now. Uh, Will, Will, Will Smith's on this team. Not the Oscars. Will Smith. Um, it's it's Lance Lynn's on this team, bro. Like, it's this is one of the greatest. This is arguably the greatest team ever assembled. Adam Wainwright's on this team. Like, come on now. Jason Adams. Like, it's, yeah. This is a great. And they're going up against uh they're going up against Japan who had a thriller against uh Mexico and well and they're going against Hugh Darvish they're going against Shohei Otani they they have some they have some people and Shohei Otani looks like he's going to pitch and hit so I think you Team USA is going to win but this it's this has been such a relief and such a a bright spot for baseball, which of course has been looking for bright spots in a while outside of, of course, the World Series. Um, this is bringing excitement to to the championship. So um, I think is it is it to yesterday? Oh well, while I'm recording this, it hasn't happened. So it I'll of course come back. But yeah. Um, I'm excited. This has been really fun to watch. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, and it hasn't been that much except for until you get to like the, the later halves. But, uh, yeah, this has been big. This has been big for Team USA. It's been big for baseball in general. I think it's, it's a great thing. So I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, I also wanted to say, uh, rest in peace to Willis Reed. He died at the age of 80. He, of course, was a legend in basketball, legend in New York sports. We know about Willis Reed comes out after being injured and and, and wins the game for New York in the playoffs. Um, Willis Reed will go down as one of the greatest basketball players of all, one of the greatest basketball players, one of the greatest Knicks. I, he's, he's, he, has, he didn't really have one of the most flashy games, and he wasn't like a scoring savant. He was just a, a big, rugged dude. He, he caught rebounds a lot, and he was a menace in the paint. Um, so you don't really hear about his name that much unless you hear about New York sports. And anytime there's a debate of who's one of the greatest bas- New York basketball players, at least for the Knicks, Willis Reed names always comes up. But uh, rest in peace to Willis Reed. He is a, a few, former, or not former, he's a Hall of Famer. He's an NBA legend, and he unfortunately passed the age of 80. So rest in peace to Willis Reed. And lastly, before we go, I wanted to continue my um, highlight of women in sports last episode i did serena williams this episode i want to do don staley um as a player she's a six-time WNBA all-star she made the 10th what 10 year 10th year anniversary team 15 year anniversary team as a head coach she's a two-time uh national champion one in 2017 one 2020 here's the thing here's why i wanted to highlight her and here's why i think she is so important to college basketball because when we look at college basketball, especially women's side, you're used to the Georgetown. I'm not Georgetown. I'm sorry. You're used to the Yukons. You're used to Tennessee. You're used to those teams, maybe a Louisville, maybe a uh, what Indiana. Like you're used to the usual teams dominating in college basketball or women's side of college basketball. People don't under people don't remember. You know what it is? It's kind of like Duke. <clears throat> Before Coach K got there, Duke was the laughing stock of college basketball. Nobody liked Duke. They Duke was terrible. Once Coach K got there, they they built themselves into a powerhouse. Kind of the same thing with South Carolina basketball as far as the women's side. Before Don Staley got there, South Carolina basketball was trash. Like, nobody cared about South Carolina basketball. Except the only type of basketball they cared about in South Carolina was was the men's side. And the men weren't that good either. Don Staley has made, has turned Don Staley in in her ability to recruit, her ability to, to see talent. She has made South Carolina into a powerhouse. And she is the right woman for, again, 
as a coach, she's a two-time champion. She's she's four-time reigning Final Four, and she would be a three-time champion, but Aaliyah Boston missed that Tipman layup, so she was that close to being that. She's won this SEC tournament. What? Yeah, she's won the SEC tournament seven times. She's a two uh, two-time SEC or so seven-time SEC champion. She is a two-time coach of the year. Two-time WBCA National Coach of the Year, AP National Coach of the Year in 2020. Like, she's a six-time SEC Coach of the Year. And she won USA Today Today Sports Network Coach of the Year. Don Staley, I want to, I'm giving her her flower. She's one of the greatest, even at this young, or even you know, seeing as though she hasn't coaching that long, she is one of the greatest college. Well, she actually she's been coaching for a good minute, but I'm talking about South Carolina. She is one of the most important piece players in co- or important figures in women's college basketball and college basketball as a whole she what she what she has done in south carolina does not get talked about enough she has turned a team that nobody really cared about and nobody paid attention to and she's turned them into a powerhouse shouts out to don staley and there you have it, man. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly appreciate you guys. If you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to if you're listening. Please subscribe to if you're watching. Please follow the socials. The link is in the description below. It definitely means a lot to me. Continue to comment. Tell me how you feel. Be respectful, please. But tell me, tell me how you feel. And until next time, much love.